0: Well guys uh, we are, are closing out our time this little mini series and, and you you know some changes are coming we 've been talking about that um, and and to get ready for who God wants us to be uh, this fall we 're going to start practicing who we need to be uh, for that new location that involves some changes in us and so we uh, we, we thought, you know what really we can 't just change service times we've we got to change our approach to ministry as a whole, and so that came kind of with a new vision, a uh, new mission, a uh, new model uh, for how we 're going to do things and so uh, in that, if you're just joining us for the first time in this little series, I'm going to do a very quick recap. Very quick, alright? You have questions afterwards, you're like, that was too much. Then come see us, I'll, we'll explain it in detail, but here's what's going on. Uh, our, 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 our vision has changed. Uh, who, who do we want to produce? What do we want to look like? What do we want to be known for? And so, uh, straightforward, it's at FBC Elgin, uh, we, we want to be known uh, for people that are committed uh, to loving, learning, and living like Jesus. That's simple. Loving, learning, and living like Jesus. And so uh, that is the vision. Uh, now the mission then is, is that we exist to equip families to do that. So our mission is to equip families to be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ by uh, loving through worship, learning through discipleship, and living through service. Living through service. So the three words you'll hear a lot, um, you might consider them a motto even, is you'll hear these three words, worship, learn, and serve. Worship, learn, and serve. These three intersecting circles, they're three pillars of everything that we want to be about here in this church. Um, so we want to be about these three things. We think these three things bring balance to the Christian life. We think we need all three elements of these in our lives, and so we're going to focus on doing that. And, uh, and then that, that led to, hey, we're going to, we're going to change our model. So guys, uh, this is for the fall, up on the screen. This is for the fall. Uh, I'm sure the spring will even have some more tweaks. We're constantly tweaking. But this is what we're asking. If you uh, have kids in the house, uh, we want you to pick a time to worship 9:45 or 11. When does that take place? Not next Sunday. Next Sunday, same worship times. After Labor Day everything changes. Then it becomes 9.45 or 11.15, okay? Uh, So you're going to worship one of those times, you're going to serve the other of those times, uh, and your learn time will be on Wednesday nights at 6.30. Um, And uh, if you don't have kids in the home, uh, same worship times, 9.45 uh, or 11.15, but your learn time is actually Sunday morning before all that. So what we traditionally have called Sunday school, that'll be uh, for adults that don't have kids in the home, that is at 8.30 in the morning. Again, starting not this Sunday, Not next Sunday, the Sunday after that, the Sunday after Labor Day. Does that make sense? Cool. Okay, and your serve time, by the way, is on Wednesdays. If you have problems, and, and we just have different life circumstances, just know there's so much grace. All you have to do is talk to us. We will find a way to, to help it out. I had somebody say, Pastor, I, I, I can't even be there. We had somebody calling. Like, I'm, I'm homebound right now. What can, how can I worship and learn and serve? Cool, let us help you. Those are exciting calls uh, because, because we see the heart of our people, and so uh, excited for that. So um, having said that, I've talked to you about two of the pillars so far. Um, we've talked about uh, the pillar of worship, uh, the, the pillar of discipleship this morning. We're going to talk about that third pillar, the pillar of service. So if you have your Bibles, I would ask that you would open them with me to the book of Mark. Uh, the book of Mark, chapter 10. Uh, book of Mark, chapter 10. And uh, let's see, I'm in Luke, so we need to be in Mark. Mark, chapter 10. And uh, I'm going to start in verse 35, and I want to read through verse 45, and then uh, kind of share with you and why uh, this thought of of service is so important. And here is what the word of God uh, says. Again, I am in Mark chapter ten, starting in verse uh, thirty-five. It says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, approached him and said, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask. That's bold, isn't it? Uh, although we kind of sound the same way when we pray. Lord, just do what I want. Let me win the lottery. Let me But anyway, they're they're a little bold. Do whatever we ask. Uh, they answered him allow us to sit, uh, oh, he said, what do you want me to do for you, he asked them. And they answered him, allow us to sit at your right and at your left in your glory. And Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We are able, they told him. And Jesus said to them, well, you will drink the cup I drink and you will be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right... Or my left is not mine to give, instead it is for those whom it has been prepared. When the ten disciples heard this, they began to be indignant with James and John. Jesus called them over and said to them, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for, mon- for, um, for many. As a ransom for many. Uh, so, three things I want to share with you this morning, and here's the first. Guys, I want you to know that Jesus came to serve us. All right? I want you to know that Jesus came to serve us. And, and listen, I know how that sounds. That sounds so self-centered, doesn't it? I mean, it, it sounds so self-centered. It sounds conceited, but it is absolutely true. See, what James and John are trying to do is they're trying to say to Jesus, "Hey, hey, we want, we want to be great in the kingdom." Right, We want to be so great, in fact, we want to sit at your right and your left. And what, what Jesus says to them is, listen, hey, I think you misunderstand the kingdom. It's not the way that you think it is. It's not about greatness. It's about servitude. And, and then he says to him, can, can you drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Or can you be baptized the way that I'm about to be baptized? And they go, yeah, we can. And Jesus is like, well, okay, in a way you'll, you'll, you'll experience that. But what Jesus is talking about is, is the cup of agony he's about to drink in the Garden of Gethsemane. right? The cup of wrath that he's going to face on the cross. The baptism he's talking about is his death for the sins of mankind. That he be buried in the belly of the earth and he be raised to life again. And he's like, you can't do that. He's like, you you can't serve me. That's, That's not how it works. I have come in order to serve you, to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Because there was only one perfect God, man. Jesus is like, no, you don't understand, James and John, what you're asking. Man, you want to be great, but let me tell you, I have come in order to serve you, in order to save you. And and here's how I do it. It's in verse 45. He says, even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And friends, that's the truth of the matter. Jesus came. He was born of a virgin. He lived the perfect life. And he died on the cross in order to serve us, right? In order to make us right. I was making sure that wasn't mine. We needed his service. We couldn't do it for ourselves, okay? So we, we begin with this truth. Jesus came to serve us. That is the truth. And, and that's why we begin here. That's why we're asking everyone in our church to take up the mantle of service and to say, hey, I'm, I'm gonna be a servant in the church, right? Because that is exactly what Jesus came to do is to lay his life down, to serve, right? And, and, and so, so that's where we begin. Jesus came to serve us. Second thing I want you to know, though, is that he doesn't just want, uh, or he didn't just serve us, but he also wants us to serve others. And, uh, and he knows that's an issue for us. So he supplies us what we need in order to serve others. That's the second point. He supplies us so that we can serve others. He supplies us so that we can serve others. And so, uh, guys, I want to switch over to the gospel of Luke. Um, and I'm in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And uh, I'm going to start in verse 10. All these things are in your digital notes, but if you follow along in in your Bible, I'm in uh, Luke 9, starting in chapter 10. I want to read through 17, very well-known story. Uh, It says this, it says, When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus all that they had done. And he took them along, and he withdrew privately to a town called uh, Bethsaida. And when the crowds found out, they followed him. And he welcomed them, he spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those that were needing healing. Late in the day, the twelve approached and said to him, send the crowd away so that they can go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find food and lodging because we are in a deserted place. Verse 13, you give them something to eat, he told them we have no more than five loaves and two fish. And they said, unless we go and buy food for all these people, for about 5,000 men were there. Uh, Then he told the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. They did what he said, and he had them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and broke them. He kept giving them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Everyone ate and was filled. They picked up 12 baskets of leftover pieces. And there's a, Two points of emphasis I want to make in, in this feeding of the 5,000. You guys have heard the story, uh, no doubt. But I want to share with you um, two really important, uh, important pieces of uh, information that maybe, maybe you, you missed. So two points of emphasis here. The first is in verse 13. Notice uh, what Jesus tells his disciples. He says, you give them something to eat. So the disciples come. They're like, hey, a lot of people. We're in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Jesus, you've got to send them home. And and Jesus like about to do the greatest well, literally one of the greatest miracles that, that 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 he performs. I mean, this this is up on the um, on the mountaintop of miracles, right? Jesus walks on, but he takes the fish and the loaves and 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 like it's going to be awesome. He's going to feed 5000 men. Now that number doesn't include women and children. Doesn't include women and children. So I want to begin here. He he says to them, "You give them something to eat." So in one of his greatest miracles that he's ever going to perform, it was always the intent of Jesus that the disciples would be serving the people. Alright? You guys got that? In one of the greatest miracles that he's going to perform, it was always in his mind, it was always the intention that the disciples would be the ones out serving the people. That was, that was what Jesus intended. Okay? So that's the first thing. Then look at verse 16. Verse 16. So then he, it says, then he took five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and he broke them, and he kept giving them to the disciples to set before the crowd. So he kept giving them, so the intent is the disciples are going to feed them, and so Jesus keeps breaking it, and he keeps giving it to the disciples. Now, let's do a little miracle math, okay? So a little miracle math, there's 5,000 men, the number doesn't include women and children. So I'm going to say like on the low end, let's say there were 10,000, there were probably more like 20,000, but let's say there were only 10,000 people there, men, women, and children. Okay, so Jesus tells them to sit in groups of 50, that's 200 groups, all right? We've got 12 disciples, 200 groups, that's a little over 16 trips, so we're going to say 17 trips. Now that's if they could carry uh, enough food to feed fifty people at one time. That they would go to Jesus, they would get enough food for fifty people. They would go to the people, they would serve that entire group of people, and then they would go back to Jesus. Now it says that they kept eating till they were full. So that's a clue. That, that, that's thinking that that's a that you, you're an all you can eat buffet, and people only took one trip, right? So the disciples didn't have to go back to Jesus and fill up, and then back to the next group, and back to Jesus, and then back to the next group and back to Jesus and back to the next group and back to Jesus. I keep going. There's 16 at least. And every time they fill up with Jesus, they empty themselves to the people and they kept doing this over and over and over and over and over and over until everyone was full. Now I'm telling you, if they could carry enough for 50 to eat and get their fill, it was still 17 trips. But if they could only carry enough for 25, right? Right? That's 32 to 34 trips. I was a waiter. I could only carry enough food for 10. Now we're up in the 80s. They spent their day going to Jesus to get full and to the people to empty themselves and to Jesus to get full and to the people to empty themselves. And I'll tell you what, one thing is for certain. Those disciples learned that day that Jesus intended for them to serve people. And they understood that day that he would be the source of that service. Right? That's what Jesus taught, by the way, as he is preparing his disciples for his death in John 15, 5. He said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. You need to go serve him. But you stay connected to me because without me I'm the source you can do nothing right so jesus came to serve us he supplies us so that we can serve others last thing i want to share with you is that uh, abundant life is dependent on this process abundant life is dependent on this process right coming to jesus serving others coming to jesus serving others coming to jesus serving others. Abundant life is dependent on this process. I'll show you two scriptures and share with you an illustration to make my point. All right, John 10.10, Jesus uh, talks about the devil, then talks about himself. He says, a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. Abundance. I've come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. So Jesus came to give us what he called abundant life. He describes what abundant life looks like using some imagery in John chapter 7. Uh, He also does it in John 4, but I just picked this one. John 7, 38, he says, The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. Now, why does Jesus use that imagery, living water? Well, of course, water was necessary for life uh, then, uh, especially, but still now. He talks about living water will flow. So, living water was always flowing water. So, uh, during these days, if you were going to live somewhere, you wanted to live by water that had a flow to it. Uh, any idea why you would want it to have a flow to it? Because if it doesn't, what happens when water doesn't have a flow to it? When it ceases to flow, it becomes stagnant, right? And then what should bring you life actually kills you. You guys following me? Okay, so, so sometimes they would dig these things called cisterns, big holes in the ground to hold water. Cisterns were notorious for spreading disease, killing things, right? It wouldn't, I mean, you could literally go to a cistern and find an animal that's just dead in the ugh. Right? You don't want to drink that. And so here's what I'm going to say to you this morning. Uh, It was always God's intent that when we're connected to his source that we would serve and that's what abundant life is about. It's about flowing, living, flowing water coming to us and going through us. God wants us to be channels for his blessing not cisterns that become stagnant and we let that abundant life die. Right? Right? You know what happens when water stops flowing, right? When, 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 when living water stops flowing, we become, spiritually speaking, the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea has all kinds of nutrients pouring into the sea. The water that flows into the sea has all of the great elements that you would look for in, in water, right? I mean, it's got the calcium and the magnesium. and It's got all the stuff you would need in it. All the nutrients in the water that are flowing in, but there is no exit. And so everything there dies. And some of us, unfortunately, have wondered why we're not experiencing the abundant life that Christ promises. And I I wonder in my spirit if the reason for that is at some point we started becoming cisterns. A cistern mindset is that it's got to be about me. I need to know more, I need to learn more, I need music the way that I want it, I need that parking space, I need this pew. I need that guy not to offend me. I need them to stop asking for money. I need, 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 I need. Sister and living, we're taking the goodness of God and we're just storing it up as if it was only for us. And what happens is all that life just dies there. And we walk around going, I don't understand. I go to church more than I ever did I read my Bible more than I ever did. I feel like I pray more than I ever did. Yet, I don't feel anything in my heart like I used to when I first accepted Christ. Well, when you first accepted Christ, you couldn't shut up about Him. When you first accepted Jesus, every time you opened your Bible, you had to go, oh my gosh, did you know that the Bible said you were automatically a channel for God's blessing? But when it becomes about storing it up, man, that goodness goodness can actually just just die, okay? And we don't want anyone here to experience that. So, all right, our goal, again, I'm going to say it again, the mo- motto I don't want you to get sick of, worship, learn, serve. So what do we do because of the text this morning? Number one. Uh, number one, same uh, application point as last week, accept Jesus as Lord. Uh, listen, I look around the room, I know we're a pretty mature audience uh, in the early service, I get it, but man, if for some reason you haven't, uh, you, you need to, right? You, you, you need to, you got to accept uh, Jesus as Lord. He came to serve us, that's where we began. Like, Jesus came to serve us. Guess what? You need that, right? What he was saying to James and John, you can't do what I'm doing, you, you can't drink this cup of wrath. You, you can't agonize. You, you can't take it to the You can't have my baptism until I do it. I've got to be the pioneer. Then you can be baptized into me. Jesus like, you can't save the world. Only I can. Friends, Jesus came to serve you. He came to save you. And some of you are weary of of what you thought was Christianity because you think it's just about morals and you keep trying to do it yourself. That is exhausting and off-putting, to be honest. Okay? And it doesn't work. You need Jesus. And so if you've never asked Jesus to just forgive you, to take control, let today be the day. Say in your heart, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I need you in my life. How would you just take control? He'll honor that simple prayer. He will honor. He'll change you. So number one, accept Jesus is Lord. Number two, make sure you're staying connected to Him. Make sure you're staying connected to Him. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing, right? How did that feeding go down? One of Jesus' greatest miracles? You feed them. You. He tells us, great commission. Therefore, you go and make disciples. How do we do that? How do we change the world for the sake of the kingdom of God? Ready? The same way. We go to Jesus and fill up. We go to the people and empty out. We go to Jesus and fill up. We go to the people. This is what life is about. You've got to stay connected to Jesus. And that brings me to the last point is you've got to make sure you have an outlet to serve others. Man, don't let the beauty of the gospel sour in your life. Please. Anybody still do dishes with a sponge? Anybody still use the sponges by the sink, anybody? No? Like, we, you use the scrubbers right now. Use the scrubbers because the scrubbers have the little plastic bristles that kill the world. Um, kill the environment. It's fine. No, I'm, jo- I'm joking, right? But, but, but sponges uh, used to be common. And we kept those sponges by the sink, right? And you kind of wash with the sponge. Anybody remember what happened if you don't squeeze it out? You walk into the kitchen and you're going, do you smell something? Do you? Do you smell? I smell. Do you smell? And because those sponges, just sour right? We are meant to be poured out. That's what we're meant to do. And yet sometimes we, we, we walk around and we go, oh, I'm just so tired. I don't have this. I don't. Hey, listen, service is meant to be poured out. Unapologetically, we're going to ask you to serve. Now, having said that, I just want you to know how much grace there is here, y'all. We're all in different stages of life, so uh, here's what I'm going to, we said going in, man, we're going to have so much grace for you. We're going to pray that you have that same level of grace with us. Uh, We had some people call us this week and say, hey, nobody's called me yet. And I was like, I know, because we're only in week two of gathering surveys, and we have a whiteboard with all these different names, and we're trying to get it organized. And so I think by this week, if you filled out a ministry survey, uh, you've probably been contacted already. I know that some of you haven't filled one out yet, and that's okay. Alright? But I do want you to know that that survey is still available. And so I'll put that slide up behind me. Um, you can grab that QR code. It's also in the bulletin. Uh, if you want to fill out one in, in on paper, we've got a paper one here. And we just want you to choose, okay, pastor, I'm going to worship here. Uh, I'm going to learn here. And you know what? If you don't know where you can serve, maybe it's a health issue. I'll tell you what, we've got lots of people with health issues. I can't actively serve here. That's cool. Can you be on the prayer team? Right? That's not listed in the areas of service, but we'll, like, we'll find a place for you to serve as long as you're making that weekly commitment. Man, let's Make sure that those blessings of God, that we are not cisterns, but we are channels. And I believe the Lord will transform your life if you do. Let me pray. Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for your word, which is good and endures forever. God, I'm so excited um, about what you're doing in us and what I believe you're gonna do through us uh, as we we pour out into the lives of our neighbors, into the lives of our our fellow people in this community. Uh, God, it's scary, I'm not gonna lie. Think about all the things going on, all the moving parts, uh, just the sheer amount of money it takes to build something and and maintain something. Some of that can be overwhelming, but God, none of it's bigger than you. So Father, I pray that you'd have your way with us, Lord. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen, amen, amen.